welcome to Weird TV, the only podcast talking about TV that makes you go, wow. Wow. I'm Bill Meeks, coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, California. For a few years in the 2010s, I rode a scooter. Uh, Not just, uh, you know, scoot along the street scooter, but a 50cc motorbike, kind of. I could get up to about 50 miles an hour on a good day. Now, when I'd be driving the scooter, I used to play this trick uh, where I would pretend that I was controlling it with my mind. I'd be sitting straight up, fully balanced, and I would just think, go left. And obviously, I'm sure my body made little adjustments to kind of make me glide left. Whatever would happen to my body would happen, and I would drift left. When the road wasn't busy, I would kind of go back and forth on the lane. Um, It probably looked a little drunk. I usually wasn't. That's a joke. Uh, You should never drink and drive a scooter. Speaking of scooters, today we're discussing Heat Vision and Jack, a failed TV pilot from 1999 starring Jack Black and Owen Wilson. Knowledge is power for real. Now, before we dive into a deep discussion about Heat Vision and Jack, I figure it's a good idea to give you guys a little background information about the project so you know what you're dealing with. Now, Heat Vision and Jack is a TV pilot created by Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon, who you probably know from their sitcoms Community and Rick and Morty. As you might expect, given their current projects, Heat Vision and Jack is super meta and super weird. They produced this pilot in 1999 for ABC before trying to sell it to Fox. It's directed by Ben Stiller, who even makes an appearance up top as himself. Hello, America. I'm Ben Stiller. In 1992, I had a show here on Fox. They ridiculed me for my effort. I was canceled. Then I won this. It's called an Emmy. Let's change cameras. Now, having returned to television a wealthy and powerful man, I've directed an incredible new action series called Heat Vision and Jack. Trivia, Ben Stiller's then-girlfriend, future wife, and current ex-wife, Christine Taylor, plays the sheriff, uh, Jack's love interest on the show. Uh, Now, the title character of Jack is played by Jack Black, and Owen Wilson plays Heat Vision, Jack's former roommate and current motorcycle. Jack Austin, astronaut. Exposed to inappropriate levels of solar energy. Sunlight makes him the world's smartest man. I know everything! As the tests continued, Allison discovered that artificial UV had no effect. This meant that I was powerless without sunlight. Harlow, this is Houston. We get no vital signs on Major North. The plot of Heat Vision and Jack is a parody of North Star a 1986 pilot with a similar plot involving an astronaut getting powers in space, but no talking motorcycle. And yes, it's on my weird TV list for a future episode. Let me know when your tires start wearing down, Heat Vision. My wheels are fine, Jack, but I could use some food. Heat Vision, the talking motorcycle played by Owen Wilson, is a clear nod to Knight Rider, the 80s series that saw David Hasselhoff driving an intelligent car named Kit. to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in the world of criminals who operate above the law. So who was the intended audience for this show anyway? I'd say people who grew up on 80s action TV like Knight Rider, The Incredible Hulk, and The Fall Guy. 
These series featured an archetype known as the Drifter. The Drifter, much like a knight in times of old, travels the kingdom looking for rights to wrong and monsters to vanquish. Drifters travel from town to town, usually on a wider mission, and help the strangers who help them along the way. As far as the project's reception at the time it was made, well, they never made the series. Ultimately, Heat Vision and Jack was too weird for Fox, which is saying something. The pilot gained a cult following online after being shared around Hollywood, then on YouTube, and it's also featured in a mockumentary-style special feature on the Tropic Thunder DVD. Bordnoy first became known to American audiences in his hit television series, Heat Vision and Jack, where he played a maverick genius astronaut whose best friend was a talking motorcycle. Now his power for real. There has been talk of a Heat Vision and Jack movie or animated series over the years, but nothing has come of it yet. Herman and Schraub do appear to retain the rights to the project, and Jack Black is still interested, so we'll see what happens. Now that we've considered the intention behind the project, I'm going to be looking at it through the lens of how well was it done? Okay, let's dive in on a deep discussion about Heat Vision and Jack. First, we're going to talk about Paragon, the incel. Call me Paragon. At first, I thought I might identify with Paragon, the entity that takes over the fry cook in the teaser and serves as the freak of the week. When he first appears, it sounds like he's going to be one of those holier-than-thou aliens that visit Earth from time to time to call us out on our bullshit. You know, classic Twilight Zone stuff. Then, just as suddenly, he becomes far less sympathetic. Paragon's views on women are... backwards, to say the least. Call me master, you worthless monkey whore. Frank! All monkey traps dance on Paragon's lap. Monkey whore, monkey tramp. This guy has a million derogatory monkey terms for his victims. But there's another common theme at play here. As the episode goes on, we see him attacking mostly women of ill repute. First at a brothel, then a strip club. Hey, what the? Stories which motivate their villains by making them desperate losers who are frustrated by being unlucky in love is a trope we see all the time in 2021. But I don't remember seeing it all that often growing up. The nerd trope, you know, hi, I'm a nerd, was all over the place. But this specific flavor of it feels uniquely modern for a show throwing back to the 70s and 80s. I'll teach you inferior females to reject Paragon. So yeah, this guy's entire motivation is getting rejected by professionals because he asked for free services, then vaporizes the vendor after delivery. That's no way to build a business, Paragon, and it's certainly no way to treat women. Speaking of Paragon, his first encounter with Heat Vision gives a nerd like me pause. I can't see you! Heat are Vision. you there? Jack, where are you? What? Heat Vision. You pushed me over. Oh. He got away? Listen, lady, he pushed me over. It's explained that Paragon wasn't able to vaporize Heat Vision because Heat Vision doesn't have eyes. A logical explanation. Paragon is an alien signal broadcast to our planet, occupying the body of that unfortunate chef. 
It kills by setting up a visual feedback that vibrates the energy from its victim's body. It uses the optic oh. nerve as a main channel. That's why I couldn't turn heat vision into ashes. Heat got no eyes. It's true. I don't have any eyes. But then the big final battle throws it all out the window. Fire wheel left. Monkey claw. Good. Black left. Black right. Black left. Black right. Black left. Black right. There's a stripper pole behind him. Duck. There's your window. How does he vision see to tell a raw-blinded Jack how to fight? And how does he drive himself to where Jack needs him? I know, I know, this might seem like a quibble, but when you have a show as fantastical as Heat Vision and Jack, there's a fine line between weirdness and believability. Basically, you can get weird, but you need to keep the logic internally consistent. All that being said, this is a satire of action shows from the 70s and 80s, which were rarely internally consistent. You know, I guess that's the nice thing about satire. If you do something unexplainable, just tell people... And that was the whole point. While Heat Vision and Jack was shot in the 90s, it's firmly set in the 80s, which means all of the brilliant solutions Jack comes up with involve 80s tech. What's that? The silver bullet. Now, from our perch here in 2021, the spatula radio combo that Paragon uses to possess the fry cook and the boombox that records them onto a cassette tape seem pretty impossible. But as somebody who knows a bit about tech, it's not too far off from technical solutions we see in the media today. Consider CSI's Enhance Me. Bring his face up, full screen. His glasses. There's a reflection. That's the Nuevitas baseball team. That's their logo. And he's talking to whoever's wearing that jacket. You may have a witness. When the CSI team was enhancing photographs back in the mid-2000s, most ordinary people only understood Photoshop as a verb, which is why the writers felt they could get away with zooming into eyeballs and identifying a suspect from the reflection. That totally wouldn't work. So if Heat Vision and Jack were made in the 80s, most non-audiophiles would consider cassettes high-tech. So it makes good sense to trap a demon in one. We all know that stereos can't do what they do in the show, but to a teenager in the 80s, it would have seemed plausible. Or plausible enough to keep watching anyway. As a little thought experiment, just swap out the cassette for a cell phone, and you've got the next Netflix original horror flick. It came through SMS. This pilot has so many parallels with the classic 70s series that I'm going to call this next section The Incredible Jack. Jack Smash. Heat Vision and Jack wears its love of the drifter archetype on its sleeve, and it's an archetype most people are familiar with from the 1970s Incredible Hulk TV series starring Bill Bixby. Heat Vision and Jack has more in common with the Hulk than just the wandering hero of the people thing. On Heat Vision, Jack's powers only work when he's in direct sunlight, since he got his powers from the sun. His protophotonic pattern is still together on the uh, thing. Dispose of it in the proper method. What? What? What is that? Uh, I, uh, ah. Ah! Ah! Uh, throw it away. 
Now, you might not realize this, but in his early days, the character of the Hulk was also affected by sunlight. Originally, the Jolly Green Giant was gray, and instead of transforming when he was angry, he'd transform at night like some mutant bodybuilding werehulk. What's happening? Hey, you, you, you changed! Out of my way, insect! Now, I don't know how many old Incredible Hulk comics Dan Harmon has read, but I'd like to think the sun-inspired powers had something to do with that original Hulk story. The pilot episode labels itself episode 14, but the characters spend an awful lot of time explaining the premise and reoccurring characters to each other. You're not listening to me. NASA is evil. They have a man tracking me down. A very dangerous man. His name is Ron Silver. Like me, a former astronaut, but also a gifted actor. And a cold-blooded killer. Ron Silver, huh? Say, let me ask you one question, Jack. Uh-huh. How high did your rocket ship take you before you got totally baked? Info dumps like these are seen as lazy writing these days, but they served a specific purpose back when shows like Knight Rider were on the air. Time-shifted viewing wasn't really a thing until VCRs showed up, so showrunners couldn't be sure that people had seen the previous episodes. Hence, Many shows had intros like Heat Vision and Jack that explained the basic premise. Jack Austin, astronaut. Exposed to inappropriate levels of solar energy. Sunlight makes him the world's smartest man. I know everything! I want that brain taken out. Heat Vision, the motorcycle with the mind of Jack's unemployed roommate. Together they run for their lives, blocked at every turn by adventure. In addition, selling off a show into syndication was kind of new in the 80s. And if WCVB in Boston was showing two episodes of The Incredible Hulk between newscasts, it was important that viewers could pop in and watch any episode as a standalone adventure. After I got back to Earth, NASA had me under lock and key. When they found out what had happened to my brain, they decided to remove it. Hip to their jive, I called my roommate Doug and asked him to come pick me up. If I had known then what I know now, I would have called a cab. The nice thing about having a Drifter main character is that every week the Drifter meets a whole new batch of characters that don't know his origin story yet. So talk to me. Here we go again. My name is Jack Austin. I was an astronaut. When I got back, extensive testing revealed that my brain had expanded. Expanded? Apparently the human mind is not unlike cookie dough. 
Mine was baked by the sun, causing it to rise, increasing its cognitive capacity. Now I'm up to three times smarter than the smartest man in the world. Now, this is a minor thing, and it helps the comedy, but for being three times smarter than the world's smartest man, Jack doesn't really do all that much that's brilliant. Yes, he makes the cassette exorcism device, but when it comes time for the final battle, he uses brute strength to defeat Paragon, for the most part. Is the show saying the more intelligent the person, the better a fighter they are? Now, I've known a lot of brilliant nerds in my day, but only two out of every five could really kick ass when needed. They're all in a game now, up in Cupertino. Nice guys. Now, one of my favorite things in this show is the choice of the villain. Ron Silver, the actor, is such an interesting choice for the series lolly antagonist. He's sort of the Tommy Lee Jones to Jack Black's Harrison Ford. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. I'm assuming that since this was made soon after Time Cop, which featured Ron Silver as the villain, Herman was inspired to make him Jack's villain, too. I'm Ron Silver. I just rented Time Cop. You are a bad guy in Time Cop. Yeah, well, acting is one of my more enjoyable diversions. Using a semi-famous actor as a secret NASA hitman is a smart idea. Funny, too. Can I trouble you for an autograph? Yeah, if you have a pen. I don't have a pen. I'll get a pen and I'll give you an autograph. The characters in the show are so starstruck by Ron frickin' Silver, they don't ask questions they'd normally ask. I really love how Ron flashes his street cred, then calls Jack's credibility into question to gain the sheriff's trust. He's a test subject. We are researching the effects of zero gravity on the uh, mentally ill. Pretty sneaky, Ron. It works, too. Christine Taylor's sheriff character trusts him from the start. Well, until he betrays her, that is. Hey, wait a second. I have questions. Take those questions. <laughs> and shove them where the sun does not shine. Overall, Ron Silver provides a very fun and very meta performance here, one that would have been nice to see fleshed out over a whole series. So now it's time for the final determination. Was it worth doing? When it was made, I think the answer is absolutely. Kids like me who watch these shows on network TV, FX, and Nick at Night, as well as our parents who grew up with these kind of shows, would have understood the 70s and 80s TV references. I mean, come on, think about it. This show would have had a multi-generational reach. Unfortunately, the pilot was filmed for ABC, then chopped to Fox, and ultimately, nobody picked it up. I won't call it a mistake by the networks. I can see why it would have seemed risky in the late 90s, before meta-commentary like you see in Heat Vision and Jack became a go-to for screenwriters. Have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. <laughs> in fact, I don't recall meta-commentary really getting popular until the mid to late 90s when Scream came out. The Randy Meeks character in particular. For some reason, I always liked that guy. Meta stuff didn't really explode, though, until the internet got massive in the 2000s and more people sort of 
got the joke. Two of my favorite examples, Community and Rick and Morty, were both created by Dan Harmon, who did Heat Vision and Jack. Oh, good. Yeah, Abed, cancel us. And while you're at it, why don't you take your cutesy, I can't tell life from TV gimmick with you. You know, it's very season one. Dan was way ahead of the curve on the meta stuff. Although a lot of other creators followed him around that curve after they saw how friggin' awesome it was. And now, uh, well, we might see it come back one day. Back in 2007, Rob Schraub said they were writing a Heat Vision and Jack movie. But then in 2014, Dan Harmon teased an animated series. But so far, neither of them have happened. Now, how, how would you take this concept and reboot it for the modern day? I, I mean, I think the concept as it is would work great today. Consumers are way more media savvy than they were back in the late 90s. And they would spot a lot of the references, you know, get the joke. I understood that reference. If I were to tweak anything in the formula of Heat Vision and Jack, I'd probably update the references from 70s and 80s, you know, lone drifter action dramas to 90s syndicated action shows like Pamela Anderson's Celebrated VIP. Wait till you see what I have. I have been saving these for a very special occasion. These are the best Cubic Zirconians that money can buy. Or Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Together they transform into the Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Then again, less people will get the shitty 90s references than the really high quality 70s and 80s references. I'd love them though. All right, now I'm going to grab my notebook here and I'm going to finish up with some random things that I wrote down and I wanted to say, but I couldn't find a place to say them. Okay, first off, there's a decent amount of 90s pop in this show, uh, you know, like Third Eye Blind, Semi Charm Life, for example, but it might just be Temp Tracks since this was a pilot. Uh, next, maybe the Sunken Pleasure Strip Club sunk the pilot. I can't recall a network show that featured an operational strip club back then, but that might just be me. I was kind of a nerd. I thought it was weird that Ron Silver was hurt when he got hit with the boombox over the head, but not by Heat Vision ramming into him. If you didn't catch it, Ben Stiller was the DJ at the strip club. At least he got one scene in besides that weird intro. Finally, the main villain, Paragon, reminds me of the villain in the Howard the Duck movie played by convicted weird guy, Jeffrey Jones. Trivia, Paragon is played by Vincent Schiavelli, the weird guy with the sad eyes. The first time I remember seeing this actor was as Reverend Gorky on Taxi, but he's been in tons of stuff over the years. Since this show is about weird TV and he's usually playing the weird guy, we'll run into him a lot. Maybe I'll call them out with a tag like, Chiavelli sighting. Now to wrap up every week, I'm going to give the episode a rating on a arbitrary scale, I like to call them. Generally related to the contents of whatever we're watching. So for this week's arbitrary scale, I'm going to judge Heat Vision and Jack on a scale of one to 737 demon-possessed cassette tapes. 
Out of 737 tapes, I'm going to give it 680 on the weirdo meter. There were a couple little flaws in logic, which took away from the believability of this already unbelievable show. But overall, I found the humor great and would have loved to see more episodes. Now, as always, you can find links to the show and more info on the topics I've discussed today by looking at the description for this episode in your podcast player or by going to BillMeeks.com slash Weird TV. You guys ready for some feedback? Well, it's the first episode, so we don't have any. That's okay, though. You can hit us up next week. My wife and former co-host on Greetings from Storybrooke and Legends of Gotham is going to be joining me to discuss ABC's Cavemen pilot based on the Geico Cavemen. Let us know what you think. Now, there's a link to Cavemen in the show notes over on the website, billmeeks.com slash weirdtv. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If you need a prompt, could this show be made today? And what was your favorite part? You can email your feedback, weirdtvpodcast at gmail.com. The voicemail number is 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. The Facebook is coming. I'm probably going to set it up after I get the feed live. And as always, you can check out the show at billmeeks.com slash weirdtv. Now, as for me, you can check out what I do at billmeeks.com. Follow me at Bill Meeks on most social medias. And again, visit that podcast page at BillMeeks.com slash Weird TV. Well, I guess that about does it for the next episode. I can't wait to talk cavemen with you next week. Stay weird.